HVAC 360, episode number 69, Commissioning Issues Log. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week, we're going to field a listener question. Uh, This one comes from Keith. Uh, He wanted to know about how to best get uh, to the finish line on a commissioning project. And usually when he, you know, when he talks about this uh, in his uh, email, he was, he was referring to sort of the issues log and, and uh, items that need to get uh, tested and looked at again and again. Um, So I thought I'd back up a little bit and talk about uh, what is a commissioning uh, issues log and uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, what should be on it, how should resolve it, things like that. So, but but first, before I get to that, I want to thank our sponsor, the Building Commissioning Association. Um, the Building and Commissioning Association, if you're in the field of building commissioning, uh, this is really the place to be, uh, the place to network, to learn, to get as much information about commissioning uh, specific things as you can. Uh, they have uh, different things in the spring. They have the National Conference on Building Commissioning, which is an excellent uh, place to, uh, to uh, uh, go and attend and learn things about commissioning. They also have spring webinar series, fall webinar series, and those are, uh, those are you can do that at your place of business, and uh, it's very convenient. Just sign up for those, and it's not, uh, not too much money. So uh, those would be great. If you uh, want to get uh, further involved, why don't you uh, uh, go and uh, become a member? Uh, you can get all this information and all the updates. You can go to the uh, Building, Commissioning Association web- Building Commissioning Association website at bcxa.org. And again, thank you for your sponsorship. All right, so moving on, commissioning issues log. All right, what 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 exactly is it? Well, you know, it's uh, it's called a commissioning issues log. Some people actually have have wanting are wanting to call it uh, a commissioning issues and resolutions log, but. You know, just because something is more specific and longer doesn't necessarily make it right. I like to keep it short. Commissioning issues log, that pretty much says that you're implying that we're going to get resolutions on it. If you're not, uh, then you're not doing it right. And that's that's really kind of the, the, the key issue that we'll, we'll get into. But essentially, it becomes your tracking mechanism. Uh, it becomes the, the communication between you and the contractors. Uh, and it's also a place for the owner to kind of check in and, and figure out, you know, how the project's going, what kind of issues are, are coming up, if there are things that are coming up over and over again, uh, just to be able to uh, identify and kind of uh, take the pulse on, on what the uh, commissioning process is, is doing. Uh, it's really the thing that probably gets changed the most uh, in the commissioning process, you have the pre-functional checklist and the functional checklist, but really once those get set up, uh, there's not too much change to that. But the, the issues log is one of those things that's constantly being uh, – items are being added to it, or items are being resolved, and things like that. So what really should this issues log contain? Um, you know, and let's take a step back. Maybe, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you make one? What do you use? Uh, you know, and I've I've seen a couple different varieties out there, and you know, I yeah, I want to come, yeah, I want to I want to say that uh, there's one that really is the best, 
but it's really what works for you. You know, I've used in the past, I've used a, uh, a Word document. Um, you know, I, the one thing I like about that is the formatting, the, the, the availability, and, and what you can do with that, and how you can uh, uh, make it look professional, so to speak. Um, there's other programs out there uh, that track issues, um, and, you know, they're, you know, some of them are custom in-house pieces that I've, I've seen different companies use, and, and those work fine, and, and maybe they're, you know, uh, better than the alternative. The one thing I've come, uh, I've settled on recently is just using an Excel spreadsheet. That's probably the best uh, way for a couple of different reasons that I can uh, use a issues log. You know, I can get a header and a footer in there. It's not the not the best. It's not like a Word document, um, but it allows me to. I, I guess the the one kind of you know key feature um, is that you can hide issues. And I think that's very important um, that you're able to, to, to take issues off the, the list. Uh, you can't do that with a, a Word document, um, but you can do it with an Excel spreadsheet or any sort of spreadsheet program that you're using. And the reason that's important is because, you know, if you have a 100-item list and you're trying to, uh, you know, give it to the contractor to, to make sure that uh, uh, they've got their items done, you want to be able to eliminate things that are already resolved, because every time anybody looks at the list, uh, it takes mental effort and it just it tires them out. It physically tires them out just by looking through all the things that are resolved. You want to be able to clear those out of there so they can focus just specifically on things that are, are not uh, resolved. Another thing I like to be able to do is uh, a key is going to be uh, putting a sequential numbering system in. You know, that's that's the basic. There's there's kind of two setups. I'm gonna I'm gonna split them up by discipline. So I'm gonna have a mechanical section. I'm gonna have a plumbing section. Uh, whatever electrical section you might have, uh, any of those. You know, obviously, commissioning is an a la carte kind of system. You can pick any sort of systems and commission that and be that uh, your scope of work. So whatever systems are in your scope of work, make a dedicated area. Uh, for that. Uh, a couple of things that uh, does is it ab- enables uh, you to focus in on, okay, you know, on the engineering side, uh, the engineer only has to look at this block uh, of items. Uh, the contractor only has to look at that same block of items. So they're not looking at an entire list that maybe things get mixed up. If they have to sort it, you're pretty much done for. You want to make it as simple as possible. So separate it by discipline, um, and that works on both the um, design side and the construction side. And, and really, so to, so to speak, you, when you talk about an issues log, a lot of people think about it as a, um, as a construction-only kind of issue or, or a, a document. But really, you know, when you take a look at what you have for the design phase, it really is the issues log for the design phase. And then you have an issues log for the construction phase. So essentially, it can be set up the same thing. And in fact, in a couple of cases, um, I've actually used the same document uh, for, the, for you know, one project. Um, and I just kind of, you know, drew a bold line in uh, the document and said, okay, you know, f- from here, you know, from here down is going to be uh, design and past this line is going to be construction. So, you know, a couple of times, and I, I guess the the one thing that, how, why it worked for me in that particular case is that there were a couple of items that, uh, you know, during the design review, an engineer might respond to something and you're like, okay, well, technically, 
you're right or you don't believe that they might follow up on it. Uh, not that they would be completely honest, but people get busy and things get skipped. So you want to be able to check on that. Uh, and you can mark it as resolved, but you're going to be able to, to check on that, in this case, uh, in construction to make sure it made into the bid documents, uh, to make sure it, uh, it gets caught in the submittal. So those are the type of things that if you keep it all on the same list, you can actually, you know, for yourself, kind of uh, keep that uh, uh, straight in your head. Again, the sequential numbering, I always like to give, instead of saying, you know, breaking it down by a section and listing it, you know, starting from one and going to whatever, I like to put a uh, specific name so they actually get their each individual tag. So it would be, like for the mechanical section, it would be M1, M2, M3, M4, whatever the issue is. Um, just because, you know, and the same thing, you know, it kind of relates back to tagging equipment. You want to be able to say, okay, you know, item number... You know, E30, that's what we're talking about. If you say item number 30, you have to specify electrical. Is it a big hassle? Not really. But, you know, if, if you can just use a letter to make your numbering, numbering scheme a little bit easier, why not do it? So that's what uh, one thing that, that I do is in my sequential numbering is I, I would list them by system and then give that system a specific starting uh, letter. Um, you know, does that get a little complicated when you're dealing with electrical or technology? What do you, you know, pick whatever makes makes sense to you. But that's just my my two cents as far as having a sequential numbering system for your issues log. Another issue, another uh, column that you'd have on there, so your second column in, might be location. Uh, and that's a, a great to, to reference either the, the drawing that you're looking at for the comment, a spec section that you're looking at for the comment, or if in the construction side, uh, that's a place to put, you know, the room or the, the piece of equipment uh, that you're kind of uh, focused on. Uh, so that's uh, the next column. Then you want to be, be able to, you know, finally get to identify the issue. I mean, this is the crux of the situation. What are you really kind of, you know, dinging them on? What, what are you looking at that you need uh, somebody to, uh, to take a look at? Um, identifying issues. These are some of the things you want to keep it like a book title. You want to keep it succinct, succinct, and you want to keep it clear, short and clear. Um, things like uh, flexible duct is too long or flex duct is kinked, um, you know, on a mechanical kind of uh, issues log. Or, you know, something's not, you know, something's incomplete. The, 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 the labeling of the piping is incomplete. These are some of the things that you can identify on the issues log. The next column would be kind of your comment, um, and which is you know more of a, a kind of an explanation. This can get a little bit more wordy, uh, but essentially it's you know why is it an issue to you? You know whether it, whether it's not you know compliant with code or or it's it's not in uh, line with you know design or best practices or it doesn't uh, uh, you know it won't work. You know, simple enough. Uh, that can be another column, and typically those two columns, you know, your kind of your your book title and the, the explanation, those are going to be identifying the issues in your comment. Um, next time, uh, next column that you can have, and this is this is really optional. I don't have this most of the time, but I have seen it, so I'll mention it. Um, you can have a benefit or consequences. You know, what happens if this thing doesn't get resolved or if this issue is uh, untreated? Uh, you know, if you had, uh, say, um, redundant units, uh, you know, and you really didn't need that or the owner didn't request it, uh, there could be, you know, additional maintenance uh, incurred um, on a you know periodic basis that they uh, they might not be thinking about um, things like that. So this is uh, 
a place, you know, where, you know, and I've seen it a couple of times, more especially in the, um, you know, the building enclosure kind of arena where it, it may, may say uh, this has been commonly led to uh, uh, enclosure failures or this will be this will tend to fail at this point. Um, which may cause the entire, you know, the wall to be replaced at some point in time in the future. So that's a different one, you know. And uh, the uh, uh, the next column would be a, simply a date issued, you know, when this was issued, and the next column would be by whom. Um, and then once you get past that, you you want to be able to identify who's going to be who is responsible to respond. You know whether it's an engineer, whether it's the uh, you know the architect or the uh, the contractor, uh, or sometimes even by the owner. Uh, you know sometimes there are specific issues that you want to get on your log that you're saying, hey, you know what? Here's here's an opportunity for betterment. Um, it's not in the design or you know during the design phase. Hey, you know you should really consider this. Um, you know maybe uh, spending the extra money now is going to save uh, quite a bit of money afterwards. So. Even the owner can have uh, a chance to respond to this, um, so that's who you identify in that column. Then you want to be able to say a status, you know, and there's a lot of different things. It, it can be, you know, it can be new, it can be open, it can be pending, it can be resolved, it can be, um, you know, closed. You know, a lot of different things, and it, it kind of depends on what you feel is appropriate. Um, and then the date that it was resolved. You want to be able to track that, saying, okay, it was resolved on such and such a date. Now. Everybody sets, having said this, this is kind of a, just a general kind of what I would put in a commissioning issues log. A lot of people have different, uh, you know, different, want to set them up differently, and that's fine. But I think this is, you know, really uh, the kind of structure that I would give any sort of, uh, whether it be a design phase, whether it be construction phase, issues log. Um, and that's, that's really how I would set it up. So use that as a starting point. And, you know, frankly, you know, you can, can you change it? Absolutely. You know, if, if something makes sense to you, if you learn something that, that, uh, uh, is more helpful for you, you know, go ahead. Don't, don't feel, don't feel limited in what you're doing, uh, with your issues log. You want to be able to make it functional and make it work for you. So what, you know, the question that becomes, you know, and, and this was, you know, if you're, if you're training anybody, what goes on the issues log? You know, and I, I think that, that things that I would think go on the issues log are things that involve money, uh, things, that, that, things that involve coordination, and things that are really differences in design uh, or maybe uh, things that are omitted, um, you know, thing, things of that nature. So obviously money implications that kind of speaks for itself coordination between trades you want to be able to identify that so people can get that resolved quickly uh and obviously if it, if it's different from what the design says that needs to be adjust you know addressed uh sooner than later so what does not go on the issues log and i think that's that's kind of important um really a lot of times you get uh you know these general notes, or you get really nitpicky, um, and you don't have. Uh, uh, you know, you're really trying to validate your existence as a commissioning authority, because re realistically, you would think that you know I get paid by the pound of my report, and that's not necessarily the case. I think that you want to focus your efforts on things that are very critical, 
um, that are uh, have value, and you want to be able to kind of pick your battles. Um, and, you know, this kind of ties in a little bit to getting to the finish line. If you have a 100, 100 line items, 100 issues, and you start to have, you know, little nitpicky ones, and, you know, they're not going to want to respond to it. They're not, they're not going to, you know, I've had situations where, uh, you know, in other projects I've, I've heard this happen that, you know, clean up. Hey, there's a pop can on top of this ductwork. Okay, explain why that really matters. You know, that's that's more of a you know a cleanliness item. Does it really affect? You know, should it be on the commissioning issues log? No, it's not that important. That's really somebody else's job. Um, you know, I mean, if it's if it's like, you know, debris in the air handling unit. Okay, you know, maybe that you know gets into the the realm of what we want to talk about. Um, but generally speaking. You know, don't put don't put that on the list. You know, certain gray items. You know, when you think that you know it, it, you're playing Monday morning quarterback, and you think, oh, you know, it would have been better to do this. No, you know, you're really reinforcing the design, um, not your own opinions. Uh, you want to be able to help the situation out, and you know, you know, realistically, um, you know, you don't want to be arguing means and methods with a contractor. Or challenging an engineer. I mean, this get this gets into this argumentative uh, phase where it really kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth of the engineers and the contractors having to go through the commissioning process and having this argumentative phase. You know, you really are they really going to want to fill out the documents that you provide for them if you're getting into this adversarial, uh, you know, process? No, it, it, it's not. You know, it's just not very good. It's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to to drive your commissioning effort. Um, So I would leave those things off. I say in general, if it's an item that really shouldn't be on your list, like it it got on there, like you said, okay, you know what? I put this on my list. Uh, You know what? I've had a change of heart. I've talked to some people. It's not a big issue. You know, why don't you take it off? You can you can resolve your own issues. I mean, it's not a great thing to do, uh, but just you know, close the issue. Say, oh, you know, I, you know, re- you, you retract it. You know, don't ever necessarily take it off your list. Like, you know, hey, it never existed. Just say, you know, give an explanation, resolve it, and and have done with it. So that's a couple of different things of what should be on and off this list, and what you know what it gets to create it. Now let's get into more of uh, Keith's question. How do we get to resolution? So, you know, and Keith, I appreciate your question. And uh, if any of, any, anybody else has questions out there, feel free to shoot them, uh, shoot them over to me, matt at buildingx.co, or you can actually put it in the uh, go to buildingx.co, and uh, there's a comment section where you could actually uh, contact me with any questions that you might have. All right, before I get into the resolution, I want to just kind of bring it into the uh, and talk to the contractors and engineers out there. A couple of things that you want to do, you, you want to be proactive. I mean, understand that when you're involved in the commissioning process, you're going to have this commissioning issues log, uh, just like you have submittals to submit, uh, just like you have certain other uh, obligations of paperwork that you have to do. You know, you know that it's out there. Go ahead and request it. You want to keep your commissioning authority honest. You want to keep them engaged, and you want to you want to be able to keep this moving forward. You don't want to have it land on your feet, 
and uh, say, hey, you're holding up the process. Uh, you want to be able to go out there and say, hey, you know, this is one of the things that you're going to need to to get. You know, you can ask for, hey, what's the commissioning issues? Uh, where's the issues log at? Is there anything that, you know, you need from me? Uh, be proactive about it. You know, that way you can get your job done quicker. Um, and uh, when you do get it, just get it done. You know, respond to it, respond to all the items. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, frankly, it, uh, on the commissioning authority side, flipping that over, if they respond to an item uh, or if there's an issue that you put on your list that you just kind of want to kind of bring to their attention but you don't necessarily want a response or you don't think that there needs to be a response, you know, I've done it before. I just put no response, ne- you know, no response needed. Um, and typically that's for, you know, I mean, if I see something like a, a drafting error, um, you know, that's going to be confusing to the contractor, um, I'll put that on there. Uh, saying, hey, you know what, you know, pick this note up or, hey, this shows up twice or, or it, uh, you know, clean this up. And I'll say no response needed. You know, that way it kind of releases the obligation for them. Hopefully they look at it and say, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up and they can use it as a list. Another thing is it's okay to disagree. You know, frankly, it's, you know, it's the means and methods of the contractor. It's the engineer's uh, responsibility. Um, not saying that you want to be soft on this, but uh, you really, if, if they say, you know what, I disagree with you, guess what? Um, you know, and that goes for the engineers, too. If you see something on the issues log that you say, you know what, I don't agree, you know, your response can be, I disagree with you, and uh, I'm going to leave it as it, as it is designed. You know, and that and that's okay. That's you know, hey, at least we've had that discussion. That's the important thing. That you have the discussion. If there's something that, that the the commissioning authority sees that he doesn't like, he brings it to the attention of, you know, whoever the responsible party is, and they can have that discussion. They can they can read it, they can go back and forth and they can say, Okay, you know what? Uh it's good how it is, but uh, you know, I appreciate your input. And that's okay. That's you know, that's uh it's okay to disagree. So Here's what I've seen a couple, couple of, couple of times as far as the, um, you know, the commissioning authority goes. I mean, how these play out in the end, and and really, you know, you want to be able to, you know, like I said, get it done as, as quickly as possible. The commissioning authority, you want to, you want to be able to bring it to their attention as soon as possible. The worst thing that you can do is wait until the end and give them a big long list of issues. So don't make it your fault that the contractor is dragging his feet, um, you know. And also, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, you, you want to be able to have those conversations, build those relationships with the engineers, with the contractors, just to be able to, you know, have a, a good working relationship that you can call them up and say, hey, where is it at? Um, and not have this official documentation saying, you know, I request that the you know, the general contractor, the uh, or the construction manager, um, you know, give me the status of the of the list. You know, you want to be able to say, hey, you know what, um, you know, what about these three items? Did they get resolved? Yes, no. Uh, you want to have a good working relationship, uh, you know, not only with the engineer, um, with the uh, the project man- project manager for the contractor and the superintendent for the contractor. I mean, really, you you can you know take your issues log, go to them and say, you know, sit down and say, hey, you know. Are you going to address these issues? Are these issues relevant? Um, you know, what are your thoughts? And get their input. 
Um, you know, sometimes, and that gets in, into the whole realm of, hey, you know what, that's the way we've always done it. Um, I don't see a problem with it. And, and if, if it's kind of a, a gray area for you, you might choose to kind of take it off the list uh, and, and, and resolve it. Um, but you real, realistically, a couple of different things that, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's really kind of a couple of different resolutions or a couple of different things that happen on the end of a project. It's what I refer to as, as holding up the boat. Uh, and this is, is what, uh, you get no resolution. So you, what you have is a commissioning authority that hands over a list, uh, at the end of a project and, uh, won't do anything until they get it resolved. Say for instance, um, you're, doing your installation inspections and you refuse to go and do your functional testing until this list is a hundred hundred percent complete. So you're really, uh, you know, deadlocked as far as, you know, getting this, you know, uh, result, uh, wrapped up. There's also the kind of the tennis match where you're kind of going back and forth, you know, with, uh, you know, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, the contractor lost the list, the dog ate my homework, you know, you know, send another email going back and forth and you're, you're trying to get this thing resolved. Hey, what's the latest? Can I get the latest? And they just go back and it's kind of more delay tactics for them to be able to kind of, um, you know, push this off, uh, further and further. And then there's, you know, the, you know, throwing in the towel saying, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. Um, you know, uh, or just, and this is similar to the the holding of the boat, except throwing in the towel says, you know what, you have the list, I'm not getting responses, and they will be unresolved, and you just label them as unresolved. Um, this is kind of the least desirable thing. Um, obviously, you know your your bread and butter as a commissioning authority is getting a commissioning issues log out there, getting it resolved, and uh, you know. Obviously, you know, the, the fourth way is the right way, which is that getting it resolved and having those things, you know, all wrapped up at the end of the project. So there's no loose ends. So those are the kind of different ways that these, you know, end up at the end of a project. So on the design side, uh, you know, a couple of different things. You don't really have any recourse over the designers, you know, how, I guess, how can you, how can you make this better on the design side? When you do your de- design phase issues log, you, you don't have that recourse with the, uh, with the engineers, uh, because there's, there's really, you know, the contract is with the, you know, the engineers might have a contract with the architect, with the owner. And, and realistically there's, there's nothing, you know, tied to getting this resolved. Uh, unless there's a way that you can work it into their contract, but typically you're hired way after they are, so this issue isn't even kind of uh, kind of relevant. Um, and the, really, the best thing you can do at this point is is just to get them in a meeting and have them commit to saying, "Hey, you know what? Are you gonna you know a meeting with the owner and say, hey, you know what? Uh, here's the issues log. When can I expect responses by? Uh, I need responses for these issues to be able to kind of close out uh, my work." When can I get them? And, and just kind of get them on the record. And if it, if it, make sure that it gets it into the meeting minutes so that they're on record for saying, hey, yes, I will do that. Because once you get it in the meeting minutes and they, they agree that they're going to do that, then it, then, then it really becomes on them. That's, that's more binding to them than, uh, the, you know, than anything else. Um, on the contractor side, um, how can you get a contractor to be more responsive? You know, aside from, you know, making nice with them and, and, and getting to getting to know them on a regular basis and not kind of showing up, you know, unannounced and, and 
getting a hundred issues uh, on a log and then handing it over to them. So what can you do to better do that? Uh, a couple of things that uh, I've noticed uh, and, and really get it as part of the uh, schedule of payments. Um, you know, if, if it is tied into what they need to do, um, since you typically are hired before uh, the contractors, this way you can kind of work with the, uh, with the general contractor, the uh, construction manager, and get that into their schedule of values that they're not going to get paid uh, an X number of percent uh, if they're not completing the issues log, or you can even you know, extend it to uh, any sort of other paperwork like the pre-functional checklist if that's something that you, you have them do. Um, have it linked to money because obviously money talks, they're very responsive to uh, you know, getting paid in that respect. So uh, do that. Um, if you can't do that, there's really not... Uh, too many other recourses. Obviously, you want to be able to get it get it to them as soon as possible. Um, you know, if you wait until after you're doing the commissioning, and here's here's you know, you think think like a contractor. If they're doing a job and they have men on site, you know, putting somebody on this task of doing something, you know, not a big deal. Um, but if they've actually demobilized and demobilized as they've they've left the site, they've taken their their tools and their toys and they've gone home um if they've demobilized and this is if you get it you know when you're doing the functional testing and they're already gone um there's not going to be that much of a that much of a recourse uh to them so that's why you want to be able to get you know involved early in the project you know have a discussion with them talk to people as you find items you know whether it's the uh, whoever the, the the you know the site manager is gccm uh, or it's the uh, uh, the different trades. Uh, obviously, you're going to be able to you know talk to the uh, superintendent every time you're there uh, to say, hey, you know, you're looking good, or what about this? And then you can have those issues, um, you know, discussed over that. And that way, you know, even though you don't give them the list then and there, uh, you formalize that list, and then you get it, uh, you know, after the fact. So you want to make sure that 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 happens. So. Those are kind of your opportunities. Um, uh, a couple of things that you can do as far as the return trips back and forth. Um, typically, you know, I like to think of it as, you know, I'll find it once. That's, you know, obviously my cost. I'll, you know, review the fix, and that's, you know, my cost. But if I have to come back and check on it a second time, you know, I want that to be on the contractor. And realistically, if you write that into the specifications, um, that way, you know, that's, that's some issues resolution, you know, and really you, you end up back charging the, the contractor for that. Typically, you know, I mean, back charging is something the contractors do, you know, all the time. It's something that they're familiar with. Um, it's, it's a, it's a mechanism that they use, um, to say that I've ever used it. Uh, I can't say that I have, I've usually been able to resolve the issues, uh, one way or the other, um, without having to result in back charging. But, you know, this is one of the things when you have that kickoff meeting, that's going to be very critical that you actually say, okay, here's, here's, here's what it is. Does everybody understand? Get them to nod. Have them in the meeting minutes saying that everybody, you know, everybody understands. Here's what's in the specifications. If I have to come back and check it a second time, you know, it's going to be on you. 
you know, if you want to be the third time, fine. Um, but be specific. And if you do it, uh, you need to be and you need to enforce it. Because if obviously, if you don't enforce it, then, you know, legally, you've kind of uh, kind of given up your right to, to be able to, to charge them. And your time is money. I mean, you want to be able to, you know, spend as much time on the site figuring out, you know, how can I make this project better? You know, how can I identify things that that aren't quite right? Uh, how can I help the owner get a better, you know, the best possible building they can? You want to be able to spend your money wisely and not kind of going back and forth. Um, you know, and again, if you build that relationship up in the beginning of construction, you don't have to get to the end and have this adversarial relationship with somebody that you really don't know. You know the person. You say, okay, you know what? I mean, you, you work it right. You know the person. You can get it resolved. Uh, you're working back and forth. You know, obviously, you know, the more you talk to them, the more they'll say, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, you know, leaving the site on this date. Can I get your list? Um, and you want to be able to be able to provide that for them. Um, you know, you want to be able to kind of clear out any sort of, you know, items for the mechanical. Uh, you might have the temperature controls of the balancer. Uh, they can still have issues, logs, uh, issues, items, you know, after that. But again, you know, once they're not on the site full time, it, it takes, you know, it's, it, they're taking them away from something else uh, that they need to be doing. So if they can get a list that's very uh, focused um, that's why it needs to be not general. It needs to be very specific on what they need to do. Um, again, that's kind of like having a design that's vague. You don't want the contractors to think too much. You want to be able to give them specific items that they can fix. You know, what do you want me to do? Okay. And it's not that you're directing work. It's that you're kind of saying, okay, you know what, you missed this. All right, I'll add this because it's on the design documents. Um, you're really you know, pointing things out that they missed, really, as opposed to you know, changing things. So that's kind of how I see the, uh, um, you know, the issues, issues being done. I mean, obviously, also, aside from the, the contractor, uh, you want to get, uh, you know, you want to become friends with the, uh, the, the general contractor, the commissioning or the uh, uh, construction manager, whoever's on site, um, so that, you know, they're there every day talking to these contractors, doing the weekly, you know, superintendent meetings. They're the ones that can really kind of, you know, keep it on, keep it on task and, uh, you know, really get them um, to, uh, to, to finish these up. I mean, if you say, hey, here's my list, you know, I've talked to the contractor, you sit down in their meetings, um, y- you know, you can get these things resolved. Uh, but resist the urge to go in again and again. Um, you know, there's obviously scenarios where that's going to eat up your um, eat up your bottom line, and you want to be able to make a profit. And you know, on on doing these projects, I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that's that's a couple of things that you you want to be able to do. All right, so that is kind of getting to resolution. Hopefully Keith, that answers your question. At least gives you a little bit of more perspective about, um, you know, this difficult task. And I mean, really it, it is one of the most difficult tasks to be able to get your issues logs resolved. I mean, if you want to want people to do work, you have to be able to kind of, you know, make it easy for them. You know, there again, you know, t- you know, making it concise so they don't have to search for what they need to get done. Uh, making it very uh, succinct, very clear on what they need to do, and make sure that you give it to them in a um, a reasonable time frame. 
Um, you know, they're, they're going to be looking for, I mean, things that typically happen in the construction industry. You know, you're going to have punch lists. You're going to have above the ceiling punch list for the engineers. You're going to have a fun, final punch list for the engineers. And so you want to be able to time it at least because they, they want to, you know, the, and the, the, uh, the CMs and the GCs, they have these lists that tend to get resolved at about the same time. If you can get in before that and kind of get it uh, to be uh, coincident with that, to make sure that you get them wrapped up at certain stages, that's probably the, the best uh, to be able to do that. This is also one of the reasons why, um, you know, as far as getting, getting these issues resolved and, and, and um, you know, getting in touch with the contractors, that I, I don't have them do all the pre-functional checklists. Um, you know, if I do, it's kind of a, a bonus. Uh, if they do, I should say, if they do this, uh, on their own accord, uh, great. You know, if they don't, uh, I'm more than happy to, to check some of the larger equipment. I'll, I'll usually task them with just the, uh, the smaller equipment that is, gets repetitive after a while. That's kind of impossible for me to, to check. If I'm going to sample say VAV boxes, I'll have them check out all the VAV boxes. So, but, um, you know, other than the air handling units, you know, there's some questions I'll kind of review, you know, my installation checklists with them and to make sure that these uh, a piece of equipment are ready for functional te- you know, testing. But, you know, I'm going to get my eyes on these pieces of equipment anyway. So why not go ahead and, and, and take that? You know, obviously that's not, that's not your industry standard, uh, I understand. But if you're minimizing the amount of work that uh, the different uh, contractors have to do, um, one, they'll appreciate it a little bit, hopefully, and two, uh, it a- enables them to focus on the, really, the, the stuff that you really want responses to, uh, which is the issues log. Um, you know, the, the rest is more of a documentation, you know, that making sure that everything got installed correctly and that's ready for functional testing. So that is, uh, that is my two cents. The one thing I will say is uh, beyond resolution. Uh, so what happens, what do you do with the list after you have it? Now, here's, a, I guess, a, a, big, a big discussion or a little bit of controversy that I've, I've heard kind of both sides on. But here's, uh, here's a question for you. Um, how, do you, how, do you value, how, how do you validate the value of your commissioning services? One way I propose to you is to take your issues log and to put a price on it. I'm not saying that you, you price everything, price you know, the issues log per se, but price the items that are on it. Um, is this going to be an exact price? No. Um, but at least it provides a, a point of discussion, a point of departure, so that you can say, hey, you know what? You know, again, I found these 100 issues. Here's a price for each one of these issues. Um, and then you come up with the, uh, uh, a total benefit to the owner. And, you know, can they argue with, I mean, and again, this is not hard and fast. This is not, you know, contractual. Some of these things are, are very, very loose. Um, but at least it provides a point of departure, even if it's like a range. Like it can be anywhere from X number of dollars to X number of dollars. You know, it could be, you know, 50% of my fee to 150% of my fee. So it could be anywhere in that range that the value that I've, I've provided for you. But I think that's an important um, to have that. And I've heard that from, you know, I mean, obviously uh, um, Chuck Dorgan I was uh, uh, talking to the other day 
um, you know, he he feels, uh, you know, that this issues log needs to be developed like that. Um, and, and you can kind of do that a couple of different, different ways as far as, um, you know, what would cost if, if a issue was not resolved and it was, uh, uh, it ended up breaking, what would it cost to do that emergency repair? Um, and then there would be another way to, uh, um, you know, what would it cost just to kind of have somebody come out and fix it, uh, after the warranty was up. Um, so, I guess, uh, you know, say, for instance, talk about uh, an example. Freestat was a great example. You know, again, there's two ways you can think about it. What it would cost to, you know, if a Freestat was improperly installed, what would it cost to actually go back in there and install it properly? Okay, well, it'd be, you know, just to have proper protection. There'd be that one cost to it. Okay, what if you didn't do that and the coil froze and it burst? What would it cost in repairs? I mean, you know, and, and that's where you can think of, okay, well, to get a new coil, do you replace the whole coil? Do you, do you, are you able to repair it? Uh, a new coil co- might, might cost a couple thousand dollars, um, you know, getting it installed, maybe another couple thousand dollars depending on where it's at. Uh, do you have to cut it out? Do you have to, you know, th- what, what kind of uh, gymnastics do you have to do? You know, what kind of downtime is this going to be critical? You know, what happened to the water? Did it actually leak into, you know, spaces below? Was there a loss in productivity? What what kind of manpower, you know, especially with, you know, even in-house maintenance, how much time do they have to spend? So there's a lot of kind of variables that you really can't get exactly. But, you know, there again, it it provides, you know, if something were to happen, and it might not, you know, and, and again, it's just kind of speculation on what could be. You know, if you had 10 air handling units and they all had the free stats uh, put in the wrong way, do you get to count that 10 times? You know, I mean, that, that can be a significant amount of money. That would, you know, uh, as far as if, if all of them broke at once. Well, maybe you say, mm, just 10%. And, you know, and kind of work the number from there. But at least you have some value. At least it's not like, okay, here's my report, you know, and and you know, the, 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 the plop value of that, that report. Um, there's really not much, not much to that. So you want to be able to validate in a couple, couple different ways. Uh, some people say, you know what, I'm going to validate my commissioning, uh, effort on energy savings, um, that I'm going to be able to take it at the end, uh, take the, the project to the end and I'm going to do little tweaks and I'm going to save, you know, certain money energy and I'm going to do my energy calculations. You know, that's, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty safe. Um, as far as what you want to do, but realistically, you know, the way I think about it is, is that's a task that's kind of set at the end. You know, what kind of value are you bringing to the whole process? If you want to really kind of, you know, express that to somebody say, you know, in the design, I caught X, Y, and Z, you know, so you bring me in as early as you can because I'm going to catch more. And those items are going to be significant, you know, can maybe compared to some of the items that I can find in construction. Um, and that's kind of the value that, that, that you can kind of present to them and the picture that you can kind of paint um, that I'd like to say, um, you know, that is, uh, you know, really important. You know, a, another example of this, you know, the Freestat one, you know, you can go either way, and you can see how that that number is highly variable. Um, but say, for instance, your boiler flues. Uh, if your boiler flues were right next to uh, your outside air intake uh, for your air handling unit, well, what would it cost 
to actually move that. And you can get some pretty hard numbers to actually moving that after the fact, um, because obviously that's a that's a code issue, and you want to be able to you know uh, remedy that. So if you caught that in design, have them moved. Guess what? You know this is a you know you could pretty get a pretty accurate number, a pretty solid number, and that's something that that really couldn't be argued with too much, um, because it's you know it it just it's going to happen. It's it's a really kind of real example of value that you bring um, rather than having a, a free stat potentially you know bust a coil and cost you know tens of thousands of dollars to actually repair so those are some of the things again getting beyond the resolution to actually providing value to your commissioning authority services and that's pretty much all I have for this week so thanks for listening I appreciate each and every one of you uh, you're doing a, a great service to your mind. Uh, in spending a little time, hopefully, uh, and hopefully you learn something today. Um, just one thing can I, I actually make a big impact. Um, so hopefully, so there's some actionable things here you can do and uh, apply to your commissioning authority life or your engineering life or your contractor life. So uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. Are you are the smart three percent that are out there uh, looking for that continuing education and growing your mind. I uh, also like to thank the Building Commissioning Authority, uh, co- <laughs> take two, Building Commissioning Association for their support of HVAC 360. I really appreciate that. Best thing you can do for me, um, there's a couple of things. If you like the show, pass it on. Uh, we love to have uh, additional listeners. Um, that's where we're, we're trying to grow the show and trying to uh, trying to get more people involved in listening and growing uh, because this is such a big uh you know, issue out there. Uh, and if you haven't uh, gone back to uh, uh, episode number zero where I talked to, to why I'm doing all this in the first place, you can go ahead and do that. Um, alternatively, you can, uh, most of you listen to me either via a, a iPod device, iTunes, iPhone. Um, so you can go into the iTunes store and uh, actually make a review. Uh, give me a review. Give me a, a rating. Uh, I'd appreciate each and every one of you that did that. And I'll even give you a shout-out as a bonus. So I appreciate that. Uh, again, thanks, Keith, so much for that question. I think it was really a, a great question and something that, you know, I mean, it literally plagues commissioning authorities. This is, if you're a commissioning authority, you will run into this, and this will be an issue for you, and you need to find a methodology and a way to be able to resolve this issue um, in your practice. So take some time, you know, think it out. If you have any comments on the show, please let me know. Uh, or, you know, if there's something that I missed or something that, that, that you do that makes it better, I'll certainly uh, be willing to, to kind of mention that on future shows. Um, you can pass it along. Uh, send me e- any email, uh, either through the show at buildingx.co or go to uh, send me an email via matt at buildingx.co. So that's it. Uh, Twitter at... Building X and LinkedIn, Matt Nelson PE. I always link it, like to uh, connect with some of the listeners. So that's it for this week. Enjoy your time in the industry. Enjoy your vacations. Enjoy your work. And always remember to know what you build and share what you know. Hey!